Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Wednesday edition of the program. Glad to have you with me. Two things to start off today, one sad and one good. Uh, Vin Scully, a legendary baseball broadcaster, uh, an unbelievable voice of the Dodgers. Never really have been a Dodgers fan, but uh, in the times of being able to stream games, if I'm going to listen to a baseball game, uh, it was probably Vin Scully. So to see he uh, passed last night, I, I think there have been some reports maybe that his health had been declining. Um, I hate to see that. He's a legend and uh, just one of those guys that uh, – and I, I'm sad I, I only – learned of him, you know, the last number of years and and didn't pick up on him when I was a younger guy uh, listening and getting into radio and things of that nature. But he is an iconic voice of baseball, uh, one of the best, if not the best, to ever do it, and just a multifaceted, multi-talented guy. And uh, he's been an, an inspiration to me. I don't know him, never met him, but I sure have listened to uh, his calls before his retirement with the Dodgers a few years ago, uh, but even going back on, thank God for YouTube uh, and things of that nature on the internet where you can go back and listen to to some of his great calls of the Kurt Gibson home run and the World Series is over the years and other iconic calls that he's had for the Dodgers. And I, I didn't realize this until recently, but he was a, a really good football announcer. He did football games for, I think it was NBC years and years ago and uh, did TV games, the the national game of the week, I think some years ago on NBC when they had baseball. So uh, definitely a talented guy and somebody that from afar was a real inspiration to me. And uh, he just had a great way about going about uh, the call of the game. And you hear great stories about him as a person as well. Obviously, I have no idea of that, but that is wonderful to hear. But sad to hear of his passing yesterday, so I wanted to make note of that uh, as he is somebody, as a broadcaster on the local level, you do kind of look up to uh, for sure. One of the other things, a good thing, I went to the TBT championship game last night over in Dayton, and I just want to give a kudos to John Mugar and the basketball tournament crew. This is the million-dollar winner-take-all tournament that has played out over the last 20 or so days. There were regionals across the country. One of them was Rucker Park Outdoors. A lot of them were college campuses, uh, Wichita State, uh, New Mexico, uh, down in Albuquerque, and others as well. And uh, the uh, finals, the quarterfinals and semifinals and championship game uh, all in Dayton, which, you know, is a big basketball community. There was a good crowd there. I think four or 5,000 people uh, at the game. And I, I know their TV numbers this year have been really up for the TBT. But uh, Blue Collar U, uh, Buffalo alumni team, believe it or not, Buffalo University, 
uh, alumni team, they won the $1 million uh, and really had a great tournament. They've had a great two years uh, in the uh, TBT. I think they got beat in the semifinals a year ago, but were pretty dominant in the game last night and, uh, again, won the million. Neat thing about Blue Collar U and their Buffalo connection They all represented the community of Buffalo. Uh, They had a great following there because, remember the supermarket shooting some months ago? Uh, They represented, they wore the names. Each player had a different name on the back of his jersey uh, in honor of those that were killed in that tragic, uh, just unbelievable violence, really. So uh, that was a neat tie-in to it as well. But it was very interesting to see a team uh, win a million dollars last night, and they all huddle over by the bracket. I'm sure it was on ESPN. If you were watching last night, they advanced their team to the championship place on the on the bracket, and uh, then Zelle, which is one of the apps you can use to transfer money and make payments and things like that online, uh, they have it set up where I'm sure they're a sponsor. They they transfer the million, how it's supposed to be split into an account for each player on the team. And it was up to the team to determine how much certain players got paid, if they made any donations with that money. Uh, So pretty neat to see that. Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen a game where a million dollars actually goes to the winner, to the winning participants. That was definitely a different feel last night. But I wanted to mention that because um, I love basketball, and we've had John Mugar on the show, and obviously it's a slower time for basketball late in the summer once the NBA Summer League comes to an end. And ESPN has picked it up. By all accounts, their television viewership continues to go up and up. Some of the games are really good, especially if there's a connection or players that you remember from their college days that are maybe still playing overseas and still really good. But a lot of good players, a lot of really good teams. Uh, My point is this. As good as it was last night, as good as the competition was, the environment, uh, the million-dollar prize, the ESPN coverage, Puma is a big sponsor. They've got everybody in really nice uniforms and all kind of gear running around everywhere. Uh, Indiana needs an alumni team. There were a lot, if you look at the bracket, the 64 teams that actually got into the TBT field, there were a lot of alumni teams from different schools. In fact, uh, the Syracuse alumni team, they're called Bayheim's Army, uh, they won it a year ago. And if you look at past winners, in fact, the first year that this ever happened, I don't think it was for a million dollars. And it sure wasn't on ESPN. Uh, the Notre Dame, a, a, an alumni group there, um, with a snazzy name, won uh, the TBT championship. So, but this is my my plea: Indiana's got to have a team. Um, there's no question about it. It would help fan interest. It would help attendance at Dayton, which it seems like the TBT, for many reasons, is is married there on having their finals and their their last few rounds in, in Dayton at UD Arena, which is a great place for basketball. Uh, but Indiana should have a team. Uh, I think it would greatly be something in the off season for fans to get into and to watch and to pay attention to for us to talk about. And I think they could be good, and I think they would bring a lot of interest to the TBT as well. So just a plug for that. It was a lot of fun uh, being there last night, and I uh, look forward to seeing what the future uh, of that event looks like. Can they increase the prize purse? Can they make the jump from one to two million or even more with more sponsors and television money and things of that nature. It's going to be interesting to see. Let's take a look at the show lineup for this Wednesday edition of the program uh, brought to you by Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. 
segment one, a couple headlines and some news and notes to open the show, uh, some recruiting notes, as you might expect this time of year, uh, both basketball and football, and a couple other things we'll mention here in the opening segment. Later in the hour, Dustin Dopirak is with us. He joined Monday to fill in for Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, and Dustin is back for his regular segment today here on this Wednesday program. Dustin is the IU beat writer for the Bloomington Herald Times, and he will join us here in segment number two. Also, later in the show, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, will be by to catch up on local sports and high school sports, the HYR intermediate team down at the World Series, the Little League World Series. Uh, They won a game uh, and are moving on in that tournament, so we'll catch up on that and high school football is weeks away. We've been kind of previewing and and talking about some of the area storylines to watch, and I'm sure that we'll do more of that with Josh when he joins us a little bit later in the show today. That's the lineup, a service of Honeybake Tam in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honeybake Tam in New Albany. And the Thornton's text line, don't forget about it, That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. It's Summer Cash Bash at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000 all summer with a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app and click on the Summer Cash Bash icon to enter. And that's not all. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, and many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. Not a Refreshing Rewards member? No problem. Text the word REWARDS to the number 80313 today. Let's get into some headlines here for this Wednesday program. Uh, A couple recruiting notes to start. Uh, For the uh, recruitment of a couple guys that have been on campus first, uh, I've been reading reports, uh, Indiana people, uh, covering the recruitment of Jamie Kaiser, the six foot six wing uh, forward in the senior to be class, Maryland people covering it. They think that uh, with his connection to Maryland being from that area, that Maryland might be the front runner. There are others that say Indiana's the front runner. So I think that is a recruitment to watch as things come down the stretch. Also, uh, earlier in the week, Jeff Ravjohns with, with was with us, and he said really keep an eye on Arrington Page because it sounds like Indiana in a really good spot with him after his official visit to the IU campus last week. So a couple guys there in the 2023 class to pay attention to as things begin to come down the stretch, and they possibly will be making a decision soon, it sounds. Uh, And then from a younger class and for the future, a lot of talk about Trent Sicily and Jalen Harrelson, two big in-state guys in 2025, uh, being on the IU campus recently. Uh, as you would expect, Sicily, uh, with his family on campus, he was at Purdue earlier, IU a couple days ago or yesterday, uh, all kind of pictures. He and Coach Woodson, he and the coaching staff, his family and the coaching staff, uh, he in an IU uniform making some different poses. So uh, by all accounts, if you just – judge on social media, uh, which again, you can always follow things because uh, these schools do a great job making sure that the uh, recruitable, the uh, uh, recruits get uh, photos and things that they can share. Uh, but uh, clearly, uh, Sicily uh, ha- had a good time, and uh, that was uh, publicized uh, all over social media by his family. So again, early, early, early for a guy like he and also Harrelson that uh, have, I think, very bright futures ahead of them uh, as high school basketball players and are going to get a lot of additional 
college interest, but uh, a very good start for Indiana with those two big in-state prizes and be interesting to see as ha- how things play out over the next couple of years or so with them. Also, Michigan State, you know, they had the big commitment from Xavier Booker over the weekend. I'm not sure anybody's surprised that Tom Izzo and crew landed Booker, but it just seemed to happen really quick. Uh, Booker with his final 10 announced late last week, and then on Saturday he announced where he was going to school. So a quick work through that list of 10 to come to his ultimate destination. But Michigan State uh, is hot right now in recruiting. Yesterday they got a commitment from a player named Garrig Normand uh, from Birdville, Texas, and he is a top 150 ranked player, uh, a six foot six wing forward, uh, again from Texas. So I just mentioned that because Michigan State on a roll. Indiana, if they could get a commitment sometime. Uh, remember a few summers ago, they don't just happen one at a time. You get one and a couple days later another, and sometime one commitment can set off a string of commitments. So it's going to be interesting to follow all of that. But Michigan State making some real moves as Normand, their third commit in the 2023 class. And Indiana football got a commitment in the 2023 class yesterday. I love this dude's photo uh, that he put out with his announcement. Uh, actually, it was a video, but uh, big beard and uh, a big husky guy. His name is Bubba Jeffries. I like the name as well. He's a six foot four, uh, almost 300-pound uh, offensive line commit uh, to Indiana now in the 2023 class. And uh, so uh, not, not from in-state. He is from Alcoa, Tennessee, and a three-star recruit, according to the 247 composite. Uh, so, again, um, somebody to keep an eye on for the future of IU football as Tom Allen continu- continues to add some players for the future uh, as this season nears closer. A couple other notes to pass along, skipping around a bit. Noah Von Ley has been moved to the Boston Celtics. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if he can find a role and stick around there. Of course, uh, Jawan Morgan, I thought, maybe found a uh, a bench spot with the Celtics through the playoffs, uh, but uh, he's been moved uh, since then or waived since then. So now Von Ley, the latest Hoosier, uh, on the or former Hoosier on the IU roster from Langford to Morgan and now Von Ley, another Hoosier connection playing for Brad Stevens's team in Boston for next season. And this is a sad note: IU women's basketball player Lily Meister. Uh, her family uh, had a big fire at their home earlier this month on August first. It sounds like Meister and her family are fine. But they've been deplay, uh, you know, displaced from their home, obviously, just weeks before her first semester uh, in Bloomington. So sad for her. There is a GoFundMe set up. I saw that some of the IU women's coaches had shared on social media, so you can follow them and get that. But uh, let's hope that all is well there. You hate to see anyone from the IU family, anyone anywhere, with a fire or devastating injury or, or to be displaced, especially late in the summer like that. But uh, obviously a sad time for her. But but, uh, glad everybody's okay and an opportunity to make a contribution there uh, if you so see that you'd like to. Also, a couple other notes to, to mention here in the opening segment. Um, Bellerman, Scotty Davenport, Justin Betts from Providence. He was with us uh, last Friday on the show as the guest co-host. 
Big vote coming up today by the NCAA, the Division I Board of Directors. They meet later today via teleconference, and one of the things that they're going to consider today, and I don't know if it's an actual vote today or if it's just up for discussion with a vote coming down the line, but for transitioning members from Division II to Division I, there currently is a four-year wait, a probationary period, until you can qualify for the NCAA tournament. Even if you win your conference, as Bellarmine did a year ago, they could not go to the NCAA, and they could also not go to the NIT tournament because it is owned and managed by the NCAA. Well, they are considering cutting that in half. So it would go from four to two, and that would obviously give Bellarmine uh, a big opportunity to qualify for the NCAA tournament uh, if they can keep that top notch in their conference and, and win a conference championship. So I can tell you a lot of Bellarmine fans and a lot of Scotty Davenport supporters and again, a lot of good connections to Southern Indiana with the Bellarmine basketball program over the years going to be paying attention to what happens in this meeting today. And could that open the door for Bellarmine to have a chance to go dancing uh, in the NCAA tournament a little earlier than what maybe anyone expected? Uh, that's going to be interesting to follow. And how about this? A good note about Kentucky basketball and Coach Calipari. Last night they had an open practice to help raise funds uh, for the Eastern Kentucky flood victims. And I've only seen news clips, but there is just some horrendous and devastating damage and and deaths and photos and videos that have come out of eastern Kentucky and some of those counties in that region. And so, gosh, our thoughts and prayers with them. UK uh, getting out and uh, raising some big money uh, for the flood victims. And, of course, Kentucky has a one of those overseas trips coming up like Indiana had to the Bahamas last year. So kind of a practice to get them ready for that upcoming trip. But even a rival school, even though I know everybody wishes Indiana and Kentucky would play, and it seems like Cal is the one maybe keeping that from happening, um, still good stuff for the U.K. basketball program to raise some money there. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times is with me. We'll talk IU basketball and more. Uh, football season just around the corner. We'll cover all of it with Dustin. And still ahead, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, here on this Wednesday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Wednesday program. Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times is my guest. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Dustin, uh, you're being a really good sport this week. You filled in for Zach on Monday when he had a last-minute conflict, and you're back for your regular segment on Wednesday as we pull you away from work and life and other things. So I just wanted to start with a thank you. We sure appreciate your insight. No problem. I mean, I've always got to carry the load for Zach, basically. That's just how it is in this partnership. <laughs> uh, it really, really is. But, 
No, thank you. No, I, I always enjoy being on, so thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate the work that uh, Zach and you put forth. Uh, I want to start with some basketball stuff today. I know we closed with football on Monday. Um, I saw a story from Zach earlier today that Hoosiers for Good, it's an Indianapolis-based NIL collective, and there's been a lot of talk about NIL here this offseason, and a lot of talk about NIL collectives specifically, uh, but they announced a big deal. They've got 11 players with deals that will uh, tally $425,000 in compensation. And as you look at some of these other collectives across the country, obviously some of the big programs, there are a number of collectives working with or surrounding them. But that's a big figure for 11 players. And obviously it doesn't break down evenly uh, among those 11 players, but a a significant amount of money for uh, players from IU Athletics. No, absolutely. And I mean, obviously, there, there's a lot of questions about, about collectives in general and, and whether this is a good idea and whether this is ultimately leading down a, a pay-for-play road, basically. But, uh, you know, I, mean, I think you've got to give at least credit to um, what, what this, this, this Indiana Collective plans on doing. Uh, a big piece of it is, uh, you know, community service being involved in, in, in some way, shape, or form using a platform uh, for, for charities, for causes, uh, you know that sort of thing, basically. That they're and they're setting up a lot of these these guys uh, to be able to help um, in in areas where they are particularly interested. And I know you know Fred Glass had a, a lot to do with that. Obviously, he's a guy in Indianapolis. He's still certainly very very connected, uh, you know, politically in Indianapolis and particularly to you know those kinds of uh, organizations. Um, so it it you know basically it is one of those deals where if if you're going to do this thing, um, it's at least better that that someone outside of athletics is benefiting from it. Uh, and that seems to be the case. I haven't had a chance to read Zach's story yet. I just saw it pop up, pop up. Uh, but he's obviously done, you know, also to his credit, Zach's done phenomenal work, uh, you know, on in the NIL space. He's really kind of driven the train for us there um, and being sort of up to speed on, on all that's going on and all the moving pieces about there. So there's really good reporting. I haven't had a chance to delve into it yet, but no, it does people well. Obviously that takes care of a bunch of guys. I mean, that or, or a woman too, I imagine. I imagine they're, I hope there's some women on that list. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, uh, so it's, it's not a exorbitant money, um, but it's very, very good money, basically. You know, so you, you divide 425000 by 11, and that's, that, that, that's, that, that takes care of some people for, you know, that, that, that's a year's salary for a lot of people. Uh, it's not like $10 million giving them a BMW, but it's, it's real stuff. But it's stuff that they have to, they have to put work in for and, 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 you know, basically use the platform um, for what it's supposed to be used for. Obviously, Dustin, as we talk about recruiting and uh, as, as NIL evolves, I think it's going to be something that we all talk and think and write more about in our respective roles. And, you know, I think fans, and I hear this from fans, I'm sure you do as well, but fans know Indiana's tradition and fans know how rabid the, the sports fans and backers are uh, of IU Athletics. And they, I feel, want to be one of the top programs when it comes to uh, having NIL deals for players and making IU basketball and football and other sports even more attractive for potential recruits that are considering coming to Bloomington. So these collectives and other organizations, and maybe you can, I, I know some of the names, but maybe you can break it down further for us. Some of these organizations allow fans, and I guess that's kind of a tricky 
way to word it because you're, you really can't be an alumni of the program. Uh, there are some rules with that and probably more NIL rules coming in, in the future, it sounds like. But there, there are even ways, I believe, for fans to contribute to some of this stuff. And one of them coming up later this month in August is kind of a preseason NIL event for the IU basketball players, men's and women's. Yeah, and I think that's the Hoosiers, Hoosier and Sterks guys that have been doing that have been have, have, uh, have been involving a lot of fans. Yeah, no, I mean, it's obviously, it, it is involving everybody. It's one of those situations, it's just how much money can you come up with? Um, and again, that, that raises a bunch of questions on, on all ends uh, in terms of, you know, what, uh, you know, is this being used? Is, is this ultimately an inducement, even if it's not necessarily, you're not necessarily uh, using players to, or coaches to tell them? Uh, they can certainly see on social media that, uh, that this money is being raised, basically, and then they can sort of get a sense of, uh, you know, what kind of money is being put together, you know, even if it's not by the departments themselves, but what's being put together by, um, you know, the fan base at large, uh, you know, alumni, you know, whether it's alumni of the programs or at least alumni of the school, um, that's bringing all this together. But it, it, it definitely is basically, it's putting a situation where every, every school is just, Calling on its resources, and and so and and obviously those are different. I, mean, I think to, as you mentioned, Indiana has a rabid fan base, um, and and there are so many people involved, and there are people of, of uh, big time means. But also, again, you could have one person uh, at certain schools, which you certainly see in, in Miami, um, that one person can do the work of a whole lot uh, when when they have uh, you know enough resources of their own. Um, so yeah, it, it is fascinating just how this space is. Uh, you know, changing really on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I know uh, I, I was at a, a Bloomington Press Club meeting a while back where we had Scott Dolson talk, and I asked him about, um, you know, what he expected. And basically his biggest thing was I didn't expect the collectives, uh, you know, to come in. Fortunately, fortunately we have one. Um, but that was something that, that they didn't see coming, basically, that they, did, they didn't expect something like this uh, to happen. They expected it to be businesses and, and you know, uh, advertising and that kind of deal, and that would just be kind of its own thing, and they wouldn't have to really get involved in it. Uh, or, or spend a lot of time making sure that everything is compliant. These have obviously uh, popped up in such a way that you, you've got to make sure that you're, you know, it, it is coming up close to the line. So it's just making sure that you're on the right side of it. Um, but it has been fascinating to see. And again, Indiana obviously has as much a chance as anybody because they have a huge alumni base, very rabid fan base, really care. I mean, it, it matters that it cares about basketball more than football um, as well because that, that allows them to focus resources on a smaller number of humans. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, that makes it an attractive place, uh, and, and adds the attraction, but I mean, obviously there's attractions in a lot of places. There are schools that are becoming more attractive, uh, than they were ever, ever were before based on the power of their NIL, um, just that their total NIL power. Dustin, from what I hear, from what I read, it, it does sound like more, uh, governance, more rules are coming from the NCAA on this. And this seems like more guidance coming at a time when the NCAA is getting rid of a lot of its guidance and being pushed to a smaller role in the uh, world of college sports. But I, I think we all can see that as this thing takes off, uh, more rules are going to have to be put in place to keep things uh, somewhat honest, you hope, uh, even though I do love the fact that players are able to make some money. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I mean, I, I, what you've seen the call for is federal legislation. And, of course, asking for federal – it's a fascinating time to be asking for federal legislation on anything, um, which I think is pretty clear over the way if, – if, if you watch – if you're the, certain, the type of person who checks, you know, uh, keeps an eye on Congress, as I do, um, there – you know, it, it's been a wild week uh, at, out, out on Capitol Hill. And so, so you, you think about what happens when you throw this stuff. 
uh, into that particular uh, meat grinder, um, you know, who, who knows what comes out, obviously, just considering, considering this is the wild state of political affairs in this country. Uh, so it's, it's very interesting to be asking for bipartisan legislation when it's hard to get bipartisan legislation on absolutely anything. Um, whatsoever. So it would be, you know, again, I know Greg Sankey was pushing for it. I think the commissioners in general are, are asking for basically federal relief, basically saying, hey, please make these, uh, make something make sense because we've got too many state laws. We, we don't really have a great way of governing this on our own. Please somebody save us uh, is sort of where they stand. But no, I mean, I, I think that's obviously the case. And I think, um, I, I, I think you, you pretty much, I think, uh, are, are in line where I think most fans are, or at least have arrived. Um, you know, it, I think it took some people a while, a while to be okay with the idea that, you know, student athletes getting paid at all. Um, I, I think that's where the majority mindset is that, all right, you know, like, considering all, all of what they uh, contribute and, and, and all of the devotion that they put into being a student athlete and, and even how that takes away from the student part of being a student athlete. I mean, there are, you know, like, there are benefits educationally, but there are also drawbacks. There are certain majors you practically can't take. And if you want to go to law school, you've got to wait until you're out. Uh, or something like that, or, you know, go get a professional degree, that way until you're done playing to, to be able to pull it off. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, I think most people kind of say they deserve something, but they also like the idea of boosters throwing around seven-figure paychecks to guys who haven't played yet. Um, I, I think there's just sort of a, a general distaste for that. So it's just, okay, how does this work that, you know, do, do you want it to be a situation where they're going to the highest bidder? You know, like, it seems like a lot of people, I think, are more happy, more happy with the idea of, Pick your school, go there, then you'll get your money, and and you know, and, and you'll be fine, whatever it is. But the numbers are so big that it's you know, how do you pass it up if someone's going to write you a nine million dollar check? Um, so I I think that's where a lot of people stand. That a lot of people would like to see something, some kind of governance. Um, but it's hard to say what that should be because you know I, I think um, it is hard to create a governing uh, you know strategy situation at the federal level when you are telling people what they can make and how, and that's really how we got in this situation in the first place. And they just really never had legal standing uh, to make that declaration in the first place, that you're not allowed to make money or, or you're not allowed to make so much or you're not allowed to work to make some of these places. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you design a law at the federal level that says you're only allowed to make money this way? Um, that I think is going to be difficult uh, at the federal level from a congressional level to come up with. And even whatever the NCA does, it'll be interesting to see if it passes muster uh, if they get sued. Talking with Dustin Dopirak, he covers IU basketball, football, and more for the Bloomington Herald Times and is with us Wednesdays on the show. I want to switch gears to recruiting. Obviously, the staff spent a lot of the month of July out on the road. And since being back last week, some big 2023 prospects on campus. And uh, this week, some younger prospects on campus, Sicily and Harrelson, two big ones in the Hoosier State as far as the future of high school basketball goes that said, now that uh, some of the 2023 guys have been on campus, there have been some commits. Michigan State's picked up a few lately, including Xavier Booker and another commitment yesterday. Uh, a lot of guys cutting their list, and I think fans beginning to ask and wonder, when's Indiana going to get its next commitment? And I think fans have to realize Indiana was really in advance or out far in advance on 2023 with a couple early commitments from Newton and Cups. So really, uh, it may seem like there hasn't been a commitment uh, from the 2023 class for a while, but boy, Indiana had two really early ones that put them way at, way ahead as far as recruiting this senior class goes. Right, absolutely. They got two important pieces uh, early on. And, and 
I think, you know, obviously they decided that they needed, uh, you know, point guard depth, you know, obviously with Xavier Johnson just being uh, his last year of eligibility. Um, I mean, Jalen Pochettino could blow up and go right through the roof, but you had to have somebody else that can, they can run the point along with him um, at least and, and to replace him if he happens to be, you know, one and done or two and done or something along those lines, which I don't think he can roll out. Um, but um, so obviously they had to get a point guard. So like when they when once you've nailed your priority, you obviously get to be a little choosier uh, after that. Once you could, once you've got the thing that you needed to have, um, and so you know after that, I think with, with this group, I think they're just trying to get kind of the best players available situation, stockpile wings and guards and that kind of deal. I mean, I think um, they they maybe could use a big in this class, uh, and so I think Arnton Page would think would be a really good fit. Um, but like you said, I mean, it, 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 you don't have to rush it. It's not like they're so far behind and they've got nobody. And what are they going to do? They're going to have to grab whatever left on the pile. You know, that, that's not the state they're in. We're still just uh, obviously at the very, very beginning of August um, and after just the July period. Um, they seem to have focused. I mean, I, I do think, um, you know, one thing that's uh, kind of clear, I mean, this was really the first true, complete, maybe I wouldn't go that far. Um, it, it is... It, you know, it, it is one in a, a way maybe the first truly normal cycle uh, I think uh, that Mike Woodson has had uh, as a coach. Obviously, having the full thing, having been with his program, having coached the season, and then going back uh, out on the trail to get his guys. Um, I, you know, I, I think it made for I think a unique scenario for them. They obviously were casting casting a wide net for a long time. I mean, it just seemed like they were chasing everybody, throwing a whole lot of offers out there. Um, and, and I wasn't on the, on the trail as much as some other people, but just from focusing on, on a lot of the other guys that are there all the time, uh, it just seemed like there was somebody new every couple, every, every session, basically, that they were interested in. Um, and, you know, playing in a different way than I feel like I've seen it, it played before, uh, we weren't really sure kind of who really was their focus, who was priority one. It, it never seemed like uh, you had a sense of that throughout the spring. Uh, and maybe even the early part of July, but it seems like, you know, just with these visits, they've, they've gotten a sense of these are the ones we want. These are the ones we feel like we can get. You know, we're going to start the press now. Um, it, 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 this is basically the guys that we're really going after. And basically everything I've read um, from how those visits went was very, very good. You know, those, those three guys seem uh, really interested. You know, Jamie Kaiser, um, uh, Deshaun Harris-Smith, and Arnton Page uh, all seemed, you know, very intrigued and pleased with what they, they saw from Indiana. Obviously, I have to see how long they want to wait to make a decision. Uh, you know, do they want to take some visits in the fall? Are they the sort that of want to you know, be some someplace for a football game and see what campus is really like when it's kicking? Um, you know, that, that obviously remains to be seen in terms of who's in that boat and who's not. Um, but there does seem to uh, a focus seems to have come together at this point. Uh, you know, is this for this coaching staff, uh, and they have this seem to have a sense of the guys that they're, they're really locked in on for 2023. Dustin Dopirak, the uh, Bloomington Herald Times, my guest. Dustin, final question. I know we talked some football earlier in the week, and I want to get back to that as we close out today. There, there clearly is a quarterback battle going on. We, we don't know a lot. I think we all uh, are reading, and you were there, I think, Monday when you spoke with us at Memorial Stadium trying to get a, a look at, or that was actually yesterday, I think, a practice that was open for the media to attend, but trying to get a feel for where things stand in the quarterback race. Uh, other position battles, there's a, a running back battle I know as well, maybe a little on that, and anything else stand out as far as what this Indiana team's trying to figure out here over the next few weeks? Yeah, no, absolutely. As you mentioned, your quarterback is going to be interesting. I think a lot of people just sort of presumed uh, that Basilak was going to be the runaway guy, and I don't know that he is. I think Jack Pell is going to make a push there, but I would, will say you know, we didn't 
they're very picky about what they want us pointing out from practice. But I would tell you, Connor Bayback has a pretty good arm. Uh, I, I think that's, that's one thing that very clearly stands out, um, that, that he's able to really throw it around. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that'll be an interesting battle. But, yeah, no, running back is intriguing. But, you know, I think Sean Shivers is, is out ahead of everybody right now. Uh, the Auburn transfer, the Josh Henderson is still a part of that. And I think they really, really like Jalen Lucas, the freshman out of Louisiana. I mean, it's still uh, a smaller group, um, you know, at, at running back. I mean, they don't have a ton of depth there. Um, they saw David Holloman and Trent Howland, a couple guys they liked in last year's class, but it seems like those, um, you know, the new guys are, are, are the ones that they're most interested in. Uh, right now, I think wide receiver is very, very intriguing all over the place. And I think they, uh, they, they did put out a media guide and they did put out a depth chart. And obviously that's not the least bit, um, set in stone at this point, but I thought it was intriguing kind of where they had everybody situated as far as positionally. I mean, they've got Emory Simmons, the North Carolina guy at the slot. Uh, in behind DJ Matthews, so I think that makes the outside positions even more wide open. Uh, you know, they, they apparently really like a lot of what they saw from Javon Swenton in the spring. They actually had him listed at the top of the chart. They really like what they got from Donovan McCauley, obviously having moved over from quarterback. Big fans of Cam Camper, it seems like. I think he's listed as a starter uh, on the depth chart at this point. Um, and there's some other interesting pieces in there. Malachi with Bennett, for one. Uh, Holt Bennett, for one. I keep getting that wrong. Uh, and and Jocelyn Smith are guys that they're so interested in. So I think that wide receiver group is really intriguing. Um, I think uh, middle linebacker, uh, the spot next to Cam Jones. I presume Jones is pretty much settled there. But I think you know Bradley Jennings Jr. and uh, Aaron Casey have a very interesting battle to, to replace Mike McFadden. I'm sure both of those guys are going to play. But you know Casey has been really acting like a a leader, but Jennings is, I think, a six-year guy who they really went out and uh, made a point to go get out of the portal in Miami. I think that's an interesting spot. Um, the guard positions, I think, on the offensive line are really intriguing. Um, the defensive line, I, I think, is very intriguing how that um, whole, you know, uh, situation is going to pan out, basically, that that entire, um, uh, you know, rotation. I think you got Lance Bryant fighting with uh, Miles Jackson over at the bull spot. That, I, I think it's a really intriguing one. Uh, and there's, you know, there's a lot coming back in the secondary, but I think there's still a couple of interesting position battles uh, at Husky and uh, I think the free safety spot with Jonathan Haynes and Brian Fitzgerald was a little bit of an interesting one. Um, and who they go with uh, at, the, at nickel when they're going to be you know, kind of at three corners as opposed to three safeties uh, on the field. You know, who is that third guy going to be uh, with Jalen Williams and Taiwan Mullen? Uh, I think that's, those, those are some interesting ones to say. Start sorting things out uh, in camp, and uh, yeah, no, a lot to see. I mean, we we caught a little bit. It, we, I think they kicked us out after I want to say eight periods, and we didn't see any eleven on eleven. Um, so you know, we uh, it was still obviously still worthwhile just to get out and just see the guys. But obviously, they're still trying to keep things close under wraps. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, they're they're going to have to make a lot of decisions in August. Um, but you know, in some cases, there's going to be some big rotations. Uh, I think they want to play with tempo, especially on offense. Um, and obviously defense just requires a lot of bodies. Uh, you can't do it with just 11 guys. There's got to be, you've got to have probably, you know, closer to 22, uh, frankly, on defense that you trust. And uh, that's obviously what they're going to be determining is who are, who are those guys uh, that they feel like they can put out there. Basketball and football stuff with Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times. Dustin, again, thanks for the double duty this week, Monday for Zach, and now your normal spot on Wednesday. Appreciate it very much, and we'll do it again next week. No problem at all, anytime. Absolutely. Dustin Dopirak with us here on this Wednesday show. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, local sports on the agenda with Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. High school football just weeks away. Uh, Really all schools, uh, most, I think, are back in session now. Uh, So that means that it's time to get back into high school sports. And Highlander Youth Recreation down at the Little League Intermediate World Series 
We'll discuss that and more. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Wednesday program, the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. He joins Wednesdays as we talk local sports. And, Josh, there's been plenty to get to this offseason. There always is something in our local sports community that is uh, happening and is important. But uh, we are almost back to talking about games and scores and highlights and top performers uh, instead of just thinking about what's ahead because school is back. I think almost every area school uh, on this side of the river is back in session, and uh, we've got our fingers crossed that fall sports are going to go off unhitched here just a few weeks away. Yeah, we're uh, we're starting girls golf now. We got uh, everything else is is kind of getting getting underway. Uh, everything else can start August thirteenth, except football, which is uh, August nineteenth. So, you know, excited to excited to get going for another year of uh, high school sports. It should be another good one. Absolutely, football and volleyball, two of the big ones this fall. Josh, somebody uh, wrote in and said, can you please ask Josh Cook, uh, is there any team, regardless of sport, that you think can make Southern Indiana proud this fall and maybe make a run to a state championship? And I think that's a good question. I wasn't thinking about a football team specifically, but in volleyball and soccer uh, and maybe some other sports, uh, we have some teams that uh, may have the potential for some kind of banner year. Yeah, I, if I was going to pick one, I'd probably say the, the Providence volleyball team. Uh, you know, because they're, they're dropping back down to three uh, A this year, and uh, you know they were they've been one of the top top programs in four A for the last few years. But uh, to get back down to three A, um, that's the last time they won a state championship. They were in three A, which I, you know they should be in two A still. But um, I think it was twenty fifteen when they won a state title in three A. So. Uh, they, you know, Grace Parika's back. Uh, she's a senior this year. They've got a lot of young talent, and uh, I think they should be they should be really good. And they should have uh, they should have a really good squad. And uh, you know, I think if anybody's going to do it, I think that that might be the team to do it. Um, you know, they, they, first thing they got to do is beat Silver Creek, which has won five consecutive sectionals because they're in the sectional with each other now. But uh, I think Providence has uh, has a really good chance to to make it make a deep run in the state tournament this year. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. Josh, you wrote about this, I think, in today's paper. I read it this morning. Uh, One of the things to watch this fall, there are a number of teams on the move that are going to different classifications with the IHSA uh, reworking things and updating it uh, with the latest enrollments and the success factor formula uh, in the different sports and the different classes. So for some fans of certain schools, there's going to be a few changes when it comes to the postseason uh, as far as who's competing in what sectional and what class. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot of changes, especially in, in football. It, it, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of sectional movement there. Um, you know, I think the big one is, 
is Jeff bumping back up to 6A, and then that leaves uh, uh, New Albany and, and Floyd Central in there. Uh, they got a couple new teams coming into that sectional, and Bedford bumps down to 4A. So they, there's two new teams coming into that 5A sectional that uh, New Albany won last year. So um, that should be interesting to see uh, how that all kind of shakes out. And then, you know, obviously some of the other ones uh, – uh, Charlestown changes sectionals, and, and Brownstown, which was in their sectional, drops down to 2A, and now Brownstown's in the sectional with uh, Charlestown, so that'll be interesting. Or, I'm sorry, excuse me, Clarksville. Brownstown drops down to 2A, and now in the same sectional with Clarksville. But I think Charlestown should be competitive in its sectional uh, in 3A, and then Providence drops down to Class A, and I think they should, uh, the Pioneers should be competitive in that sectional as well. So, um, uh, you know, if, if those were if those were two teams that I think couldn't make a run at sectional titles, it would be Charlestown and, and maybe Providence. So we'll see. All right, some new looks for area schools, that's for sure. Josh, uh, switching away from high school sports for a moment, uh, the Highlander Youth Recreation Intermediate Little League team, this is one of the newer divisions. They're at the World Series uh, down in Florida, or excuse me, in California, I believe, and they're having some success. Uh, HYR has been known uh, to really focus on this intermediate 5070 uh, division of Little League Baseball. And uh, I, I've been with them. We've broadcasted some of their state tournament successes over the years. But they're, they're on a whole other level now trying to see if they can win a World Series in that uh, grouping of Little League Baseball. Yeah, and their uh, first game was a, was a wild one. It was actually uh, it was Monday night, and it, uh, I don't, it got over past midnight, I know, here locally, because they didn't. They were supposed to start at nine o'clock our time, and then I don't think they started until at least nine thirty. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a wild one. I was watching it on ESPN Plus of all things. Uh, it was available to watch. I, I guess it it should be here for the rest of the all their other games should be as well. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was one one game, and then uh, in the in the top of the ninth, they started using the international tiebreaker rule where they start with a runner on second. So. Um, and that was that was an interesting aspect of it. And then in the top of the tenth, uh, Preston Preston died at one of their one of their better players, uh, still third. And then uh, the throw got away from or got past the third baseman, and he just came home with a winning run, and they won two to one. So they play again uh, another late win tonight at nine o'clock our time. They play, and then if they win that game, though, uh, that's a big one. They advance the U.S. Uh, final on Saturday night. And then, you know, obviously the next one, if they won that one, would be the, the World Series championship on Sunday night. I, I think it's uh, 8 o'clock maybe Sunday night is the World Series final. But uh, so they're, uh, you know, they're they're in good shape. You know, winning that first game is always key in a tournament like this. And and they, uh, you know, they got some great pitching. I think they used four four different pitchers, but they got some great pitching. Uh, played, played error-free defense. And now they're, you know, if they win, tonight's game they're in the u.s final on saturday so that's uh that's crazy to think you know congratulations to those those kids and plus they're missing school you know the best <laughs> thing for them right? absolutely well good luck to hyr thanks for the update you've done a great job keeping us posted on all the age groups and divisions and uh, a lot of local success once again this summer for uh, some of our future baseball and softball uh, stars we hope here in the area. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. He's with me Wednesdays as we talk through local sports here on the program. Josh, thank you for the chat today. 
Oh, thank you, Matt. Have a good week. We'll talk to you later. You as well. That's going to wrap things up for this Wednesday program. Thank you so much for being with us. Don't forget, if you missed the live show or you want to go back and hear an interview or a segment, you can find us as a podcast. We're available wherever podcasts are found. All you got to do is search for The Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and uh, you'll locate us there. So no matter if you're with us live on the Big X or you listen uh, on a podcast at your convenience, uh, we appreciate your support and look forward to uh, being with you throughout the IU football and basketball seasons year-round once again here on the Big X Sports Radio. That's going to be it for today. We'll be back on Thursday. Tyler Tockman of Inside the Hall will join. Alex Bozich is on vacation And we'll talk some high school football. We'll have another coach on from the area to get you ready for the upcoming season. Have a great day. Until tomorrow at 11 a.m., this is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.